What's going on, guys? And welcome to Alpha Talk, the performance and lifestyle podcast from yours truly. So this podcast was created to explore all things performance. So that's performance in the gym, male performance, business, mental performance, day-to-day, you name it. We're going to touch on it and we're going to dive into how we can optimize those areas. And lifestyle, well, because first of all, I just want to talk a little bit of shit. <laughs> and I want to touch on any relevant topics to do with lifestyle and anything that I think is trending and that's just going to be fun to talk about, man. Lastly, I don't want this to be a generic, uh, you know, fitness podcast where it's pretty bland, it's a little bit boring, it's super serious talking on those specific areas. I want to touch on those areas, I want to make sure I'm giving you as much value as possible, but I want to have some fun with it and I want to make sure that the guests that come on here as well, yes, we're going to have some guests on here, I want to make sure that they're providing a bunch of value from you know their own sectors their own industries and also they're going to be clients friends people that i might admire as well and just having some fun with it man so episode one um we're gonna be doing a q a so i dropped a uh, question box on my instagram i've picked out 10 of the best questions that i got i mean i say 10 of the best um a couple of them are a little bit jokey but you know we're gonna have some fun and there's gonna be some value in there as well But before we get into it, I want to share a little bit uh, of a story with you guys on this podcast. Um, Just something that I think, you know, the listeners and uh, at least one of you guys, hopefully this resonates with, you know, the the actual message. I've been putting off this this podcast since, since January. You know, I put it onto my stories, put it onto my socials that I want to do this podcast. Now, things in January got a little bit busy anyway. You know, with, with new clients signing up, with uh, the business One Alpha uh, being created and, and, and pushing it out there as well. But I still put it off. I still put it off for ages. And um, I think the one thing and the one reason why I was putting it off is because, you know, it was excuses. It was excuses because ultimately I knew this was me coming out of my comfort zone again. And again, I think a lot of people can probably resonate with this where. They put something off. They're waiting for the right time. And for me, it was, oh, I need to buy the best equipment. I need to do X, Y, and Z. And I just kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And the reason that I actually wanted to do this podcast was for content, was to ensure that my audience were getting good value, that I'm giving my audience um, you know, information that, that's going to be applicable to them. And that kind of got lost in the fact that I was trying to wait for the perfect time or have the perfect setup or do X, Y, and Z. But really and truly, it was all bullshit. It was all excuses that I was just prolonging it and procrastinating. However, today I was like, nah, do you know what? We're dropping it. You've lost sight of the whole reason why you wanted to do this. And that was to make content. And that was to make sure that you're giving value to your audience. So if there's anything that you're putting off right now, I urge you to go do it. So if you know, ultimately, it's going to be beneficial to you and your goals, go do it. Stop putting it off because, you know, you're making excuses for yourself. You're procrastinating. Anything's coming in the way and you're like, do you know what? I'm just going to put it off a little bit longer. You know that it's an excuse. You know that you should go do it. If this is a bit of motivation, if this resonates with you, if there's anything that you're currently putting off right now, go fucking do it. Go do it, man, because you know full well that's going to be massively, massively beneficial to you and your goals. However, it might be a little bit, you know, scary. It might be a little bit out of your comfort zone, but that is where we grow. So let's get into the questions, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get it. Question number one. Should I buy a massage gun? Now, 
When it comes to massage guns, you've got your Theraguns, you've got all these, you know, the, the whole vibrating massage gun thing. I think they're actually a really good recovery tool. I think if you ultimately look at them purely uh, as a way to facilitate your recovery, purely as a way to kind of mitigate that fatigue, trying to really work on your DOMS, then I think it's, an, I think it's a great tool. And I think ultimately it's just a tool. It shouldn't be the foundation of your recovery whatsoever of course you've got everything that goes outside of the gym in terms of you know sleep nutrition x y and z so as long as you're using it purely as a tool to go alongside that i think massage guns are a great addition to any recovery plan that you've got um i've seen no conclusive evidence to say that they do anything more than facilitate recovery in terms of you know alleviating the stress from doms i don't see it in any way, shape or form, fixing an injury. If there's a bit of muscle tightness or if there's a little bit of DOMS and, and, and fatigue, sure, it's great. But if you have a real serious injury, don't rely on a fucking massage gun to, to sort out your problems. Go see a specialist, get it sorted out. Question two, <laughs> best place to best place to pull birds in the UK? Um, wow, okay. I'm probably not the right guy to ask this question. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm, I've got more chance of pulling a hamstring than pulling any birds in the UK, to be honest with you, bro. So question number three, what order to do exercises in? I think this comes down to two main things, really. First of all is your actual goal. Now, everyone's goal is going to be completely, completely different uh, to one another. The second thing is whether or not you can give a valid reason and justify why you've put that specific exercise in that specific order. Now, you might want to put an isolation at the beginning of your workout. You might want to put the isolation towards the back end of the workout. Now, there's two reasons why you do that, but you might want to justify one reason being, you know, uh, activation, potentiation. You're trying to get that muscle as short as possible to activate it, to get it primed, let's say, um, in terms of like a, a neuromuscular standpoint as well. You want to get a real good mind-muscle connection get it primed, get it nice and short, fill a little bit of blood in there, not fill it with much fatigue. So you might just want to do one set maybe, and then go into your heavier compound movement, which is more of like your, let's say, quote unquote, main movement. Or you might want to use the isolation more as a um, metabolic stress, metabolic work, just pushing as much blood into that muscle as possible, 20 plus reps, uh, creating as much fatigue to that muscle as possible towards the end of a workout. So they're both different. They're both the same exercise, let's say. Let's just say it was a leg extension before a hack squat. Or it might be at the end of this. Uh, so that would be at the beginning of the session. Or it might be at the end of the session, more as like a six times four rest pause set where you're just trying to push as much blood into that muscle, finish off your quads as like a little finisher. So again, I've just given two really good reasons as to why you'd use a leg extension at the beginning of a workout. So like I said about the activation, potentiation, neuromuscular standpoint, getting it nice and activated or using it more as a metabolic stress uh, and just trying to finish off those quads as much as possible. Not to spend too much time on this one, but... Again, the considerations you want to make is maybe you've got lagging muscle parts, so you want to potentially prioritize them. So again, if your legs are massively, you know, massively lagging, especially your quads, then you might want to put more quad stuff towards the beginning of the session and maybe leave the hamstring stuff towards the back end of the session because, you know, you want to make sure you've got as much ex as much energy going into those quads because they're lagging muscle parts. You want to put as much focus into them as possible. I think if you look at, again, yeah, just like super, super taxing movements like a deadlift versus uh, no, a deadlift as well as a uh, 
a barbell back squat, you know, if those are huge compound exercises and they're super, super taxing, then you probably want to put them towards the the, the start of the workout as opposed to the, the, the end of the workout. But again, it depends massively on your goal and what it, what, what it is that you're trying to achieve as well. Right then, question four, what type of way is best? What I like to look at is just your actual enjoyment from from the whey so you've got different types of whey you've got whey protein whey isolate um you've also got your like your diet ways and 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 weight gainers and, and stuff like that so let me get into into isolate first of all so with isolate there's pretty much no lactose with isolate the actual protein content is going to be slightly higher so as far as i know i'm pretty sure it's like around 80% for whey protein, but then the whey isolate somewhere between 90 upwards or even even close to 100, uh, which is why there's like no lactose in there as well. So in terms of the lactose, there might be some, you know, digestion issues when it comes to whey protein because of the dairy in there. If you've got no issues with lactose, got no issues whatsoever, and you're going purely for taste, then I'd say go for whey protein because usually it's it's kind of got that creamier texture to it uh, and it usually tastes a little bit nicer. If you're going for, you know, if you've got issues with your digestion, then I'd probably go push you more towards, uh, you know, maybe a vegan, um, like pea protein, or I'd push you more towards the, the isolate where there's gonna be no lactose and there's gonna be much higher protein percentage in there as well. And it usually comes down with uh, lower calories as well. So if you're in a dieting phase, you might wanna you might wanna focus more on the on the isolate. However, again, it comes massively down to your 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 enjoyment. Enjoyment's gonna be a massive catalyst for your adherence. So I'd rather you just have a whey protein that you actually enjoy. Um, when it comes to weight gainers and stuff like that, don't even fucking bother with them. They're packed with so much shit. Eat real food, make a real, um, you know, a smoothie or, or blend a load of food, which is actually going to taste better, which is going to be real ingredients rather than just packed with a load of sugar. Number five, how do you know when to bulk or cut? This is a good one. Um, ultimately, it depends massively on your current physique and your goal. Um, I recently put out a post as well, so go check that out. And that's when to actually start your uh, cut. And I was I was going more so for when to start for summer. But there's some really really good points in there. When you should actually start your your cut. What sort of things do you need to consider kind of going into it as well? If you've got high levels of body fat and you want to put on muscle, you might want to go for a mini cut beforehand. Now the reason that I say that, and I say this to a lot of clients that come over to me and they say, All right you know, I want to put on muscle, but their starting position, they've already got high levels of body fat to begin with. And what I like to do is almost put them through like a bit of a mini cut beforehand. So literally just four to six weeks, it's not going to be detrimental to your strength within four to six weeks. It's just going to be taking down some of that body fat percentage so that when we start to push the surplus of calories, your body's going to be super responsive to those um, those calories and you're going to be in much better position and a prime position to actually start building muscle as opposed to pushing more of a surplus when you're all Already got high levels of adipose fat tissue on you it's just not going to be uh, as effective um, in terms of like an ap- appetite uh, standpoint as well you probably would have already been on quite high levels of calories because you've you know your, your body fat percentage is quite high so it might even be way more productive so again bring your calories down get you a much better starting position for your physique get you a much better starting position for your calories and then again, your appetite's probably going to be shot up because you've had to go through that mini cut as well. In terms of when to cut, 
what I'd say is go check out my Instagram. I'll put some really, really good tips and considerations to think about before going into a cut. All right. Number six, max amount of protein you can absorb at a time and how long to wait for the next protein. So what I'd say here, right, is this is going to differ massively from person to person. A bodybuilder who weighs 120 kg of absolute lean muscle versus, you know, Doris, who has never been to the gym before. I'm pretty sure you can probably work out who's capable of absorbing more protein. So I think, first of all, it it matters from person to person. Second of all, I think you've got to actually take into account the protein sources that you're looking to consume. I, I wasn't sure about the question, but are you talking about complete protein sources? Are you talking about... Uh, protein as as a whole i think if you look at complete protein sources we're looking for about one to 1.5 grams of uh protein per per pound and that's complete protein source per pound of body uh body weight that's normally what i go for was around about 50 50 grams and normally what that's normally what i i can i can absorb without there being any real digestive issues as well um, again, this might be something that you have to kind of trial with yourself or with clients. Um, and again, it matters massively on your actual goal. So how long to wait for the next protein? Well, if you need somewhere between 200 and 220 grams of protein per day, you could easily split that into four meals, 50 grams per meal of complete sources. So that's 50 grams a meal. And then anything that's kind of, let's just say it's trace from, you know, like gluten from, from other um, wheat or whatever it might be, that's going to obviously push you over to close to 220. And there'll probably be no real digestive issues. Um, and you probably would have absorbed a large amount of that protein as well. To the person that did ask me this one, if you want something which is going to be super applicable to yourself, please get in contact and uh, I'll answer it in detail for you specifically. Number seven, right, this is a good one. So pre-workout creatine, is it beneficial or shit? This question is actually a good question, um, just because the the topic of like supplements, the topic of especially like BCAAs and and other products that are actually on the market as well, a lot of them are just a marketing marketing scam. They really they really are, especially especially BCAAs. But we'll get into that in a second. But when it comes to creatine, especially uh, as well as what the question was about pre workout, those two things, yes, like. They are beneficial and they, they're they not bullshit because asking me if is pre-workout a scam is basically saying if you take if you were to take a load of coffee and a load of caffeine, would you feel buzzed from it? Yes, you would. Well, that's pretty much what a pre-workout is. The, the, the caffeine content in there. Usually, most uh, pre-workouts are somewhere around 200, 250 upwards milligrams of caffeine uh, per serving. Usually, I mean, I haven't really seen a pre-workout that's less than 200 milligrams of caffeine. Now, a good pre-workout would consist of a few ingredients which are going to elevate your performance. So something which is going to give you that cognitive function um, enhancer. So you should feel a little bit more uh, focused. Uh, it's also going to increase your blood flow. It's going to increase your muscle pumps. And it's going to give you that little bit of energy. Um, so again, from the caffeine um, the good thing that you want to try and look for as well, though, and this might be trial and error, is the fact that you don't feel like you're going to crash at the end of the workout as well. So you feel really good energy, you feel really good pumps, you feel like you're really, really focused. And then when once the actual workout is finished, 
you feel good as well. You don't you don't feel like you're getting that huge crash. And ultimately, that's that's the issue with a lot of different pre workouts out there. They're pushed with like three fifty plus meg of caffeine. And it's just so unneeded and usually you start to feel crash and you start to feel shit towards the end of the workout as well. When it comes to creatine, that's actually one of the most researched supplements on the on the market. Now, the way that creatine actually works is it increases the stores in the muscle um, and the stores produce ATP, which is essentially like an energy that your muscles are then um, going to use for, you know, heavy lifting um, and like high intense workouts. So when, again, I'm not to be rude, but when, when you ask, does creatine work? It's, it's basically saying, does like, does following a calorie deficit, is that going to uh, get me to lose, lose weight? Like, yes, that's, that's basically just what it does. All right. So before I forget, um, BCAAs as well. So I'm going to keep this nice and short. BCAAs, I'm not going to say they're a marketing scam. They somewhat are because if you're eating an adequate amount of protein anyway, the addition of BCAAs aren't going to help you because they don't actually give you the essential amino acids that your body needs to used for almost like building blocks. So if you're having an adequate amount of protein, if you've already got a pretty good diet, they're literally just not going to benefit you in any way, shape or form. However, the way that they've been marketed is, you know, they taste amazing. Like you want to make sure that you have them for recovery. You want to make sure you have them for, for building muscle and being as strong as possible. It's just not true. So if you are going to get any supplements um, to do with amino acids, then, then go for EAAs because they're going to be essential amino acids that you actually need. Question number eight. We're getting close, guys. We're getting close. So did you always want to be a PT coach uh, and how did you get into it? Yeah, man. So the way that I actually got into being a PT and coach, it actually started back in college. Now, it's not starting back in college in terms of when I got my qualifications, but it started back in college when... <laughs> Funny enough, I, I went on to, um, you know, just like the generic sort of that, that football scholarship kind of bullshit where you really think that you're going to become a, <laughs> a pro footballer, um, but it just never works out. Um, so, yeah, man, I was, I was doing that basically just extended PE, you know, them ones. Again, finishing school, kind of going into the gym and I just kind of became obsessed with it straight away. So then obviously when I went into college and I could still see that I was super obsessed with, you know, the bodybuilding aspect of it. I think that was the, it kind of made sense. That was the spark that, yeah, this this is for me. And then I got pushed into it a little bit more when I had an injury. So I tore my cartilage, uh, ACL meniscus. Like my knee is, yeah, my knee's wild. My knee's in, in a bad, bad way. So that, that pretty much completely did any sort of chance of having a career in football. So yeah, it made sense. It made sense for me. To, to, to kind of go into the, yeah, 100% into the gym, 100% into being a PT. Even back then, like friends were asking me, can you do me a meal plan? This is before I actually had my qualifications or anything like that. Can you do me a meal plan? They were coming to me for advice on, again, usually it was how to grow your arms. But yeah, any sort of advice. And I think I got a bit of a kick out of that as well. Like being that person that people asked and I could help and helping someone to to achieve something just gave me so much purpose like personally just gave me a ridiculous amount of purpose and I just I kind of knew from there like yeah I found my calling where this is something I'm good at this is something I'm actually passionate about and I think the whole thing of helping other people gave me more of a buzz than doing my actual own own goals and achieving my own goals and yeah man I think I think 
genuinely feeling like you've won the lottery. Do you know what I mean? If you've got a passion for something and you can get paid for it, I feel like you won the lottery, man. Honestly. And, and, and you really genuinely feel you wake up every day with some purpose. I feel like, yeah, it's too, it's, it's too easy. It's too easy. Uh, but that's kind of how I got into it. And yeah, I didn't want to always be it. Obviously, like I said, I was... I, I thought I thought I was destined to become a footballer. It literally is that 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 fucking cliche of uh, oh well, I would have played for West Ham if it weren't for my knee. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, that's how I got into it, and yeah, from there I knew I, I knew I was going to become a PT man. Number nine, number nine. Are you taking your girlfriend on holiday this year? Right, we'll skip that one. Ten. How do you relax? Not how do you normally relax, but how do you really relax? When it comes to relaxation, what we're trying to do is we're trying to stimulate the, the parasympathetic nervous system, okay? So when it comes to nervous system, there's, there's two nervous systems that we want to think about. One is the, the sympathetic and one is the parasympathetic. So the sympathetic is uh, normally regarded as the, um, the, the fight or flight. So when you're in like a stressed environment and, you know, maybe your heart rate has elevated, uh, and you're just feeling genuine, genuinely stressed. So we normally refer to that as the fight or flight. Then we've got your parasympathetic nervous system, which is, again, referred to as your rest and digest. Now, this is something where you normally want to start kind of stimulate this before bedtime and before uh, you're about to consume a meal because you're going to be in a prime position to do those two things. So that is the the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's something that we're looking to to activate and we're looking to optimize for when we're trying to relax. Now, some things that you can do to actually stimulate that, especially if you're trying to relax, uh, would be breathing techniques. So it would come down to inhaling through your nose, exhaling through your mouth. So trying to do six breaths per minute is a really, really good way to actually bring your heart rate back down to resting heart rate. Now, again, that's a nice indicator that you're in a you're in a pretty relaxing environment for your body, and that you've just stimulated your parasympathetic nervous system as well. Uh, meditation is another really, really good one. And uh, just focusing on breath work as a whole and, and meditation as a whole. Yoga and stretching are, are, are really, really good for this. Um, as far as I am aware, stretching, actually the initial parts of stretching activate your sympathetic nervous system first because you're actually putting tension and lengthening and stretching your muscles. Um, and then after which actually activate your sympathetic first and then shortly after your parasympathetic after. So again, might be something that I need to look into a little bit more, but as far as I'm aware, that's one of the only things that does that. The Another really, really good way of activating it and, and kind of stimulating that nervous system would be to set as much of a calming environment as possible. So that would be, you know, your lavender sprays, that would be your scented candles, that would be maybe a hot bath, um, especially with some like Epsom salts, so magnesium sulfate in there, which is going to absorb into your body and it's going to be like a, act as like a muscle relaxant as well. You're trying to relax as much as possible. What are the things that you can seriously, seriously do which are going to make you feel as chilled out as fuck, all right? Do those things, especially do them before bed, do them before you eat as well because that's going to have a huge, 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 uh, it's going to be a huge catalyst for uh, good, good digestion as well. But yeah, man, those are the things that, that I'd say to, to relax. So we're going to wrap it up there, man. Join us in the next one where I think, I think let's get a guest in here. <laughs> don't, don't just let me do all the talking, man, because I can ramble on for time. So love, guys. Thank you very, very much for joining me. And I should hopefully see you in the next one.